You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week, we're on Pocahontas from 1995. And remember, as always, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1. And if you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, because like iTunes is not a thing anymore, right, Dave? Didn't they just kill it? They split it, yeah, from <laughs> iTunes into Apple Podcasts, Apple TV, and Apple... How's the third? Apple Music. Yeah. yeah, so find us on Apple Podcasts and write us a review, um, and we would love that. And we have a new special guest joining us this week, all the way from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Lindsay Pals. Lindsay, welcome to Disney One by One. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are excited to have you and to dive into Pocahontas. So... With our guests, our first the first thing we ask is to tell us a little bit about uh, your Disney history. Actually, tell me a little bit about yourself before we get into Disney. What, what's up with you in Michigan? Well, I moved back here. I lived in a lot of different places before I moved back to Grand Rapids. I was originally from Grand Rapids. I lived in China for a year, LA for a little bit, and then Ann Arbor, going to school for grad school. And now I'm back in Grand Rapids, wondering why I'm back sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm doing like the adult thing and I just bought a house and I do regret that decision frequently because <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. So. <laughs> you still, do you still do an improv comedy? I just decided to get back into it because I miss it so much. And I'm fully licensed now as a clinical therapist. So I actually have breathing room in my schedule to do it again. I thought, I thought you were going to say you're fully licensed as an improv comedian. I wasn't oh. <laughs> sure if that's the thing. I mean, I, I don't think that would ever be well received by the improv community to be like fully certified or licensed. Yes. If you majored in that, they probably wouldn't like that very much. Yeah. They'd probably yeah. be like, you weirdo. <laughs> All right. Well, how about how about your Disney history? Do you grow up watching Disney movies, going to the parks, or do you hate Disney and you don't know why you're on the show? <laughs> Yeah, I was like drugged and all of a sudden this was like earbud was in my ear. Um, <laughs> um, no, I was actually, okay, I kind of put it as like, I was coerced into a childhood full of Disney. I'm irreverent when it comes to my brother. He has Down syndrome, but he loves Disney and we're a year and a half apart. And so growing up, I remember the first Disney movie I saw was Beauty and the Beast and it was in the theaters and it blew my mind. <laughs> and then when we got VHS and a VCR, the same day we got a microwave, which was just a big day for the Pals household. A, a big trip to Best Buy. Yeah, it really was. We are like, wow, two new machines. So my brother, he got a VHS for Beauty and the Beast, and I have that whole movie memorized. I have all of Aladdin memorized, and I have all of Jungle Book memorized. So there are these Disney movies that just, I hear one line, and I my brain just goes and it's really obnoxious. And I know this isn't Disney, but it's also Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. I don't know why he went dark with that one, but like, <laughs> that's another one that like is hardwired. So, so like, uh, if you ever hear the word rich, you just start singing. Yeah. You just start singing. Yeah, for Exactly. What are the other songs from Fiddler? I'm drawing complete blank, oh, but God, you seem to know them all. Yes. Yeah. What's the dream one? Are there lyrics to that? Where he has the crazy dream? Oh, yeah. The, the, the graveyard scene. Yeah. Where she goes, oh. Yeah. 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 And she's like yes. rising from the grave. Scares the crap out of Tevia. Yeah. <laughs> how about uh, how about going to the theme parks? Did you ever make your way down to Florida or California for that? Yeah, I have I have a lot of family in L.A. actually. So I remember going for like a family reunion and we spent a day at Disneyland. But my mm. dad was always so like, go, go, go. So it was like hardly fun because we <laughs> would just like we would we wouldn't have enough patience to wait in line. We wouldn't get the fast pass, but we did get a bunch of like I think Dole Whips were around. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some Dole Whips. I remember that. I remember Paris of the no, that wasn't there. It was it's a small world. Yeah. And I remember reading about that in Babysitter's Club books and just being like, I've got to go on that one. And then I did, and it was completely anticlimactic. So I was like, mm, yeah, kind of. You gotta, you gotta set your expectations for that ride. <laughs> totally. But I also remember Karen from Babysitters Club talking about Space Mountain. So we did go on that. I felt fulfilled. Is Babysitters Club a book or a show or both? Oh, it's everything now. But it's, oh. um, it started as like Anne Martin wrote these books that were all about fifteen chapters long. Okay, but and... they talked about Disneyland in them. Yeah, yeah. They would just like, it's a babysitter's club from like middle schoolers babysitting for kids in the neighborhood. And they have all these weird adventures that are way too adult for their age. 
really. Oh, were those somehow produced by Disney or are they just like stealing IP for those? <laughs> Would it surprise me <laughs> if like Disney eventually bought Babysitter's Club probably, rights? Probably. Because that's what they do. But no, I don't think they were related originally. Have you ever portrayed a Disney character in any of your acting or improv? Yes. I was a little mermaid, which was really difficult. <laughs> so that didn't work out too hot. Like in like, like in like a stage version of Little Mermaid or just like in an improv scene? I think it was in an improv scene and okay. like they I was a, it was a suggestion and I was like, really you guys? Like one, I don't have seashells. Two, I don't want to be that risque. Three, like I just like pull myself around in my arms because like am I <laughs> am I land aerial or am I like sea aerial? And then getting too specific, then it's like, I don't know. Start combing your hair with a fork. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Or I could like, you know, opt out and just be the, the mute one. <laughs> oh, so. that that actually would be brilliant. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be tricky for that. If someone suggests a Little Mermaid in an improv show and they decided to be the in between having a singing <laughs> voice and becoming a human, I'd be pretty uh I'd be exactly. pretty impressed by that. I would just like hold my throat and just be like yeah. I can't. <laughs> cough, cough. I can't. But, you know, I was, I did have kind of like an Igor hunchback character too. Okay. Which is pretty fun. Yeah. Well, that's I, next week. We get to Hunchback next <laughs> oh, week. That's, that's the next movie. So 1996, <laughs> Hunchback Notre Dame. So, all right, Lindsay, it is uh, also the, the task of our guests to figure out their top five favorite movies from our list. So uh, why don't you start with your number five? Or if you have honorable mentions, or if you want to cheat in list 10, there aren't really rules. <laughs> I do have two honorable mentions, but I think I actually mentioned them. I have... Jungle, Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast memorized. Yes. And like, I don't, I'm not just exaggerating. Like my sisters and I have quoted the whole thing together. Pretty proud of that, actually. Um, but number five, I would say Fantasia. Wow. Yeah. 2000 yeah, first... or original? Original. <gasps> yeah. Let's keep it pure. We were surprisingly disappointed by Fantasia when we, when we watched it uh, a few months ago. Really? The original? Yeah. Oh, what was disappointing about it? It was really boring. <laughs> oh really yeah oh that's so sad was it mickey was it the whales like what no, was no mickey's boy? segment was the best by far okay the whales are from 2000 oh i'm crossing my wires i think you might be oh because i like fantasia 2000 a lot hmm. hmm maybe i need to give 2000 another shot maybe i'm just remembering the broom cleaning up on its own and that that's was just in such both a... of them oh okay 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 Shoot. that's all right fantasia something yeah, Fantasia, one of them, maybe half and half. I don't yep. know. But then number four would probably be The Rescuers. Down Under? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very confident in this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you like about that one? Uh, well, first of all, I love the name Bianca. Mm. Yeah, and I love her and um, the other main characters' like relationship. And I love the jewel scene in the cave. Yeah. That was always really fun. And the skull with the jewels in it. And he like he almost drowns, but he doesn't. It was really <laughs> powerful for me. All right, number three. Three Aladdin because of Robin Williams genie. Yeah, yeah. To the point where I haven't really had the guts to watch the live action. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it yet either. How, what do you guys think of Will Smith taking over? Well, we haven't seen it. <laughs> I know, but like even just the thought. Yeah, I mean, I I've heard he does it pretty differently. So, but it's, that'd be it's pretty hard to replicate. But I will say, if you've ever seen it on stage, the, the Broadway version, it, it is typically an African-American guy doing kind of gospel-y stuff. Oh, and okay. it's really good. People didn't really complain about that. Mm. So kind of turning that into the Will Smith hip hop thing isn't quite as far-fetched as it sounds, I think. Oh, okay. All right. I haven't seen it on Broadway yet. I need to do that. What are we on? Two? Two. Hunchback. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I love that one because <laughs> uh, I really love the social justice piece of it. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be Esmeralda. Like, if I could be any female from any Disney movie, it would be Esmeralda. You may be the first person to put that in their top five. Really? Yeah. Huh? Not a bad thing. I haven't seen it in forever. We're going to watch it next week, so I guess we'll see after that. It's just the music's so beautiful, too. Um, but I also really appreciate how the priest or the whatever the bishop he um is so clearly evil yeah and i like am shocked by how obviously evil all the evil people are in the disney movies now jafar mm -hmm. corella deville <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crazy lady and the rescuers yes 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 or yzma yes from right. my number so, one hang on hang on i want to guess okay 
It's got to be Lion King, yeah? No, she just said Yzma for my number one. Oh, oh, well, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike hasn't seen this one. No, I haven't. You haven't? I don't know who Yzma is. Is it Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. It yeah. is. Oh, okay. It is. Man, I'm, st- I'm just missing out. Yeah, you are. That's in a lot of people's top five or tens, and Mike hasn't seen it, sadly. You guys are going to do that one, though, right? We're seven weeks away from it. Oh, okay, good. Good. Well, when you do, please tell me what you think of David Spade's character. Yeah. And then also Yzma. And then also where her boobs are. Okay. <laughs> they're like <laughs> down by her hip bones. And it's the best ever. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> kind of the same as the bad woman in Rescuers. Exactly. Good. Yeah. There's definitely a trope. <laughs> but anyway. Well, that's a fun, that's a fun list. Yeah. Thanks. That's a real fun list. I, I appreciate some uh, some some new entries in the top five. So, <laughs> with that, we will move on to Pocahontas. And now our feature presentation. She was the daughter of a chief. She has her mother's spirit. She goes wherever the wind takes her. Come down here. And she lived a life of freedom. No, not that way. Pocahontas. So hot off of Rescuers Down Under, director Mike Gabriel thought up a brand new idea during Thanksgiving in 1990. He was sitting at Thanksgiving dinner and thought it'd be great to make a movie about Pocahontas, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and he uh, brought the uh, concept to what we've talked about in at least last week, we talked about it, if not the week before, a pitch meeting they called The Gong Show at the Disney Studios. And he pitched it as an, as an Indian princess who was torn between her father's wishes to destroy the English settlers and her wishes to help them, a girl caught between her father and her people and her love for the enemy. And so this like really struck a chord with some of the executives in the room while they were pitching all sorts of random ideas. And his pitch was accepted and it became the quickest turnaround in Disney studio history and how quickly they brought it into production and, and got it going. So since Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture, they were trying to find another movie to claim that throne again, to re- reach that, that acclaim. And there were a number of movies in development, including Aladdin and Lion King, but they thought Pocahontas could maybe be that one. And so they, they greenlit it pretty quickly. As we heard extensively last week from our, from our guest Jim Hill, Pocahontas and Lion King were these two rival movies within the studio. And Katzenberg had, in a meeting, told everyone he thought Pocahontas was going to be the successful one. So most of the top animators, most of the top crew from Disney uh, attached themselves to Pocahontas while some of the lesser younger folks jumped on Lion King, which is really interesting. And if you want to hear that full story, listen to last week's episode because we got into that in great detail. So along with Mike Gabriel, who came up with this, who came up with this idea at Thanksgiving, they brought on Eric Goldberg to help co-direct. And Eric Goldberg was the guy who animated the genie in Aladdin. He's a very prominent Disney animator. And so he, he jumped on board to help direct this movie as well. A number of folks in the studio wanted this movie to be more cartoonish, like, like Aladdin. But the executives were like, no, we want this to be more serious, like Beauty and the Beast, because we got to get that Best Picture nomination again. And so they kind of went that direction. It took a while to get get to that. The writers and producers went on a number of research, research trips to Indian reservations and to Jamestown to try to get this as accurate as possible. Though apparently they took quite the liberties with the story. Yeah. I think Pocahontas <laughs> ended up falling in love with a different guy in mm-hmm. real life. John mm-hmm. Rolfe. Yeah, and they really wanted this movie to be a romance, like Beauty and the Beast. Sort of two people from different walks of life coming together and falling in love at the end sounds exactly... It's the same. It's the same movie as Beauty and the Beast, right? <laughs> and the same as Avatar, eventually, maybe. <laughs> Is that what people compared Avatar to, Pocahontas? Or Fern Gully? People always said Fern Gully. I think it was Fern Gully. Okay, all right. And Pocahontas, I think. <laughs> the settlers coming in to destroy the woods and and kill the natives. It's, it's Avatar. And Pocahontas. <laughs> There, if you want to look at like the detail of the development of the story of this movie, uh, actually the Wikipedia page describes it in way more detail than I, you'd ever want to know. So you can look at that if you want. We can jump into casting. So they auditioned a number of Native American actors for this movie, thankfully, because I feel like in past movies, they've really just whitewashed everything. So they brought on Irene Bedard to play Pocahontas, and she is Native American. Mm. And uh, they brought on Judy Kuhn as her singing voice, who is not Native American, but she only sings the songs. And and then we get Mel Gibson as John Smith, which cracks me up. Oh. Yeah. Did, <laughs> Did you not realize that, that one? No. <laughs> oh, weird. I mean, he's definitely like putting on a, a, a voice to some extent, but it is him. He, he was quoted as saying that he wanted to work on a project that'd be good for his kids. 
Because <laughs> he had only done like Mad Max and and like what else had he done then by then the Patriot maybe all these like war and yeah, R-rated movies so. He is the voice of John Smith. His accent really comes in and out in this movie. It is it is poor. It is poor at best as, as a British man. He is natively Australian. Is he really? Yeah. If you like find old Mel Gibson interviews and clips, he has an accent. And he just got rid of it? It just like slowly faded away from being in America. That's weird. Or did he take like elocution classes or something? I don't know. Oh. But he, I, I assume John Smith is British. And you get like a few British sounding lines in this movie, but he's normally, he's basically just straight up Mel Gibson. <laughs> and then who else we got? So Radcliffe, that's the bad guy, right? Is that the name of the bad guy? Governor. Yes. Governor. He is played by David Ogden Steers, who is also the voice of Cogsworth in Beauty and the <gasps> Beast. That sounded familiar. And then I did not realize this until after the fact, but Christian Bale does the voice of Thomas. Who really? is like the skinny little guy who almost shoots whatever? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Christian Bale. And then I also recognized Billy Connolly in this movie, a pretty famous Irish comedian. He's—I know him best from Muppet Treasure Island, which is probably not how I should know him best. <laughs> <laughs> is it Wiggins? Ben? He's like one of the side oh, characters. Okay, sure. But he has a very recognizable like Irish Scottish accent. I'm really butchering this. Billy Connolly is is Scottish, yes. And in Muppet Treasure Island, <laughs> Billy Connolly, he's Billy Bones. So he like comes oh. into the tavern at the beginning. <laughs> And like gives uh, gives someone the black spot. He gives Long John Silver the black spot. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah, I do. Because uh, who plays Long John Silver is played by uh, Tim Curry. Yeah, is is Billy Bones like he has a hat on? You can't see his eyes. Maybe he's got like hair just strangling. No, he he's not. His face isn't covered. He's just like freaking out in the tavern at the beginning. Yeah, okay. about the black spot. The black yeah. spot. Yeah, <laughs> man, I need to revisit that movie. That movie's so I do great. Too. Dang. The best scene in that movie is the roll call. <laughs> they're on the ship and they're doing roll call. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, and one of the lines is like, black butt face, like ugly something, something, something. And then it cuts to like the most beautiful woman who's who she just goes, here. <laughs> this really low voice. Uh, that's great. My favorite part of that whole movie is, it's not the hygge chaka, but it's Cabin like... Cabin right- Fever? It's the song they sing. When when Miss Piggy comes out in tribal yes. gear, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. boom shakalaka, boom yes. shakalaka, <laughs> boom shakalaka, laka, boom shakalaka. Yes. <laughs> the first time I heard that, I was like, this is effing genius. Yes. And Hard then to. the cabin fever song is pretty fantastic. Yes. Too. I okay. got cabin fever. I've got it too. <laughs> I need to watch that again. Yeah, that's been that's been a decade since I've seen that. Production of this movie seemed to go pretty smoothly once they sort of got it going. The art designers, the animators, were very heavily inspired by the work of Evand Earl. Ev- Evie? I forget how I pronounce this. Ev- Evand Earl, Earl, who was the uh, one of the main people on Sleeping Beauty, which was quite obvious. I don't know if you noticed that, David, how similar this looked to Sleeping Beauty. The backgrounds, yes. yeah. I did notice. Yeah, and yeah. often, uh, and they were also inspired by Mary Blair, who's someone we talked about a lot on the show, a very uh, prominent Disney artist from the early days, from the, the 50s and 60s. So, yeah, production seemed to go pretty smoothly, and um, and then it was released. It was released uh, in, in correspondence with the 500th birthday of Pocahontas. No, 400th birthday of Pocahontas. Uh, they did a limited release uh, in, on June 16, 1995, and then a wide release June 23rd, 1995. The premiere, uh, which was before that, they did in Central Park in New York City, and they estimated... Like 100,000 people were there for the premiere of this movie, which was at the time the biggest movie premiere of all time. So uh, this movie was released to like moderate acclaim. It, it did not does not have a great rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So the critical response was mixed at best, which I guess they just kind of thought the story was kind of shallow or the historical inaccuracies bothered people. You know how critics are. But it still made $346 million at the box office, which is pretty darn good on a $55 million budget. So. Oh my word. Uh, it did garner two Oscar nominations, and it won both of them. It won Best Original Song for Colors of the Wind from Alan Menken, who we've talked a lot about on previous episodes. Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz helped out with the songs. And then it won Best uh, Original Score as well, which back then they split score into two different categories. It won Best Original Score for Musical or Comedy. So it got two Academy Awards for Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz. Stephen Schwartz is most known for, I think he wrote Godspell. 
Oh. And he worked on Wicked. He wrote the whole musical Godspell? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And then he went on to work on Hunchback. Hmm. And he also did The Prince of Egypt, which is fantastic. Oh, but that's not Disney, is it? It is not. But I thought I mentioned it because it's great. Yes. <laughs> is Mel Gibson in that? No, Val Kilmer's in that. Yes. Val Kilmer plays Moses. And that duet. Mm. That movie's like Val Kilmer, Jeff Goldblum, Danny <laughs> Jeff Glover. Goldblum, yeah, he's Yeah, he plays Aaron. Oh my uh, like Michelle Pfeiffer, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Patrick Stewart. It's that is that is a stacked cast. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer did the music with Stephen Schwartz. Yes. Oh my word! That so. it is stacked. I had no idea. I need to like watch the movie with a whole cast list. And yes. So yeah, like I said, Alan Menken did the music for this movie again. Uh, Howard Ashman was supposed to help out, and as we talked about in previous episodes, Howard Ashman uh, passed away during the production of Aladdin, which is sad. So yeah, that's that's the gist of the history of Pocahontas. So let's dive into uh, our reactions. So so Lindsay, first off, I want to know your Pocahontas history. Had you seen this movie much before watching it yesterday or the day before, or uh, is this like your first time ever seeing it? It is probably my twentieth time seeing it. I think we owned it when I was younger, but watching it just like I did a couple hours ago, it is a I had a lot of issues with it. <laughs> I have a All lot right. of strong reactions. All right, wait, wait, wait. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. David, what's your history with this movie? Um, we definitely had this one growing up, I believe, because I had seen it several times in the past. I don't know how long ago, a very long time ago, but I remembered a lot of it. It's the first Disney movie to be based on something that actually happened. So that sets it apart for sure as far as like tone. And you mentioned that's probably why the critics had such a negative response or one of the factors, but um, I had not seen it in a long, long time. What about you, Mike? I do have a memory of seeing this in a theater. Oh. And I feel like I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but I have like, I have vague recollection of sitting in a balcony in a movie theater. So that narrows it down quite a bit on what theater that could be. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going, I remember being with my grandma on a balcony watching Pocahontas. That's all I got, but it definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> So I do have that memory of it. And we definitely had this in our house growing up. So it definitely brought back a lot of memories. I think I had also seen Pocahontas 2 Journey to a New World. <laughs> yes. Which looking up just like Google images of it right now, the animation quality went is so much worse. It must have been a straight to VHS. I think it was. Because John Smith doesn't look anything like the John Smith of this movie. It's very strange. Yeah, and the whole the whole picture. I actually know that movie more better than the original. <laughs> and the whole movie is just like super two dimensional. Not much depth in any of the shading or any of the like perspectives. Yeah, I mean, those sequels were typically made by a different like kind of sub company of Disney oh. that was the lesser people. <laughs> So, pals, now that you've watched this, you were you were about to get into it, and I stopped you. Give me, <laughs> g g give it to me. What'd you think of Pokemon? All the wind was sucked out of my sails. I have nothing now. <laughs> no, I just it was. It's just funny. If I am just watching something, I'll just watch it. But if I know I need to talk about it, I'm going to be super critical. So I love how, and I think I already touched on this, how the governor was evil immediately. He gets on the boat and a rat gets on the boat with him. You see the silhouette of a rat getting on yeah. the boat as nice. he gets on the boat. And I'm like, okay, symbolism, nice. And then also, Thomas, why'd you fall off the boat? Like, I get really frustrated with that. And then John Smith, how do you actually do that? That is complete BS. <laughs> like, you don't, nobody makes it out alive like that. Nobody can hold on to another human being through that much. He had a rope. But like... If you realistically think, realistically think about like the hand and wrist strength that it would take to hold on to a human trudging through water and then holding all the way up, I just don't buy it. So I know it's a cartoon and I know it's Disney, but also like it's not Superman. 
Like you could have at least like made him struggle a little bit more. <laughs> so, so you know that trees don't talk in real life, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> in Grand Rapids, they do. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it is a magical place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, so I'm not gonna like lean too hard and like what's real, what's not. But yeah. at least like it was just way too. I guess I'm used to. I just saw the promise. So I'm used to like really great character development. And then I watch this and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it also was only like 75 minutes long. Right. True. Good point. All right. Well, that's, I'll take that as your initial reaction. We can dive into many more details. David, yes. you've watched this movie now for the first time in, in years. Mm -hmm. What'd you think? Um, I really liked it. I think the thing I liked the most was probably just the visuals. The animation looked amazing. You mentioned that it was the same artist as Sleeping Beauty. Inspired or? by. Inspired by. Okay. So, yeah, I could definitely tell that the landscapes and backgrounds were just amazing, beautiful. On top of that, the music was so good as mm -hmm. it has been in the past few yeah. Disney movies that we've watched. Definitely some, like character issues like i don't really know if i believe their love story and how quickly they fell in love <laughs> and how strong that bond is to go against their people and everything like that but you can tell that they're trying to do like a romeo and juliet type story here um very similar to that story. that's funny so, you say that because one of the other disney folks in that pitch meeting was was trying to develop a romeo and juliet story and so because of that that's another reason why Pocahontas kind of got greenlit because they because they realized it was similar to that and that's kind of what they were looking for. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, great minds think alike. Me and the Disney execs, <laughs> but I liked it overall. Yeah, I really actually enjoyed this a lot. And and Lindsay, see, you don't have the luxury of watching thirty two of these in a row, and so <laughs> I feel like we're kind of numb to some just like story, like shallow story things because a lot of these are that because they're sort of kids movies <laughs> right <laughs> and so the two of us which is why i love I, I love your perspective and i want much more of it but the two of us are looking at things like like the background art <laughs> you know? and like the character design uh you know which i thought was fantastic in this movie yes. and the music is so good i mean the score and the and the colors of the wind does deserve their oscar wins no doubt about it and so i think overall i just really enjoyed this and i had seen this a lot as a kid and so it definitely brought back a lot of memories but yeah it's all quick it's all really quick. They fall mm -hmm. in love quick. They get mad at each other quick. They kill each other quick. And then <laughs> he leaves pretty quick. And we get Mel Gibson trying to be a British guy and Mel Gibson singing, which is pretty great. That's his voice? It is his voice, which oh. is very rare for these movies. They normally get alternate folks to sing, but it's actually him singing. All of my life I have searched for a land like this one. A wilder, more challenging country I couldn't design. Hundreds of dangers await, and I don't plan to miss one. All right, so we can get into some more details, Lindsay. I'd go for it. What, what other gripes you got with Pocahontas? <laughs> well, now I feel like a big a-hole. No. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Disneyland and just be like, this is stupid. Although, I do appreciate all the theme music going on in Disneyland, so I want to give, like, a kudos to that. Like, I feel okay. like I'm a hero when I go to the bathroom because there's, like, trumpets playing. But <laughs> that's a separate thing. But, yeah, when it comes to Pocahontas, like... I will admit, I loved the symmetry when the two people groups were coming together. So yes. aesthetics in that regard were like gorgeous. The storm clouds. Yeah. Yeah. And then the governor and the chief's faces like just kind of like fuming over both. I forget which one was in the cloud. I think it was the governor. Anyway, yeah, so it was just kind of a cool like visual. Visualization of mirror. it. Yeah. yeah. I remember loving Lion King, looking forward to Pocahontas. And it's interesting hearing you talk about all the animators and how geeked out they were and like excited about the accolades they were expecting. Yeah. And I remember watching it and just being angry. Like I studied studio art in undergrad. And so like, I, I really care about what it looks like in my eyeballs. And like, <laughs> it just really bothered me the way Pocahontas moved and like John Smith was really two dimensional in the image, not in character, but in the image. And like 
I don't know. I just remember that really bothering me. <laughs> there, there's definitely a difference between the human figures and the backgrounds and the scenery, the yeah. animation. In this movie, they really try to make the people look more realistic, which they haven't really done before. In past movies, they're more characterized. Cartoony. In this movie, they definitely go for more realism and proportional features. And maybe that's what you're seeing. Like, it's just a little bit different from other Disney movies. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Cause... It did not bother me that much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you get, you have a gripe with Glenn Keane is one of the greatest Disney animators of all time. So maybe you need to bring him on your show. With yeah, you me. can you can tweet at him. I <laughs> <laughs> like a really bitter, bitter like childhood memory because yeah. I'm 32. Pocahontas' so. <laughs> nose is haunting my dreams. Yeah, like could it at least stay in one spot on her face? <laughs> I was I was watching some YouTube reviews, some random small channels reviewing this movie, but one person said that. Some of the critics at the time, they didn't like the kind of stark contrast between the humor of like the hummingbird mm. and the raccoon compared to like the very serious racial themes. Death and <laughs> murder and yeah, yeah. race, race uh, execution yeah. relationships. Um, yeah. Did, yeah. You, did, did that strike you as like something that didn't work or did, do you think the humor fit in well with the rest of the movie? I noticed it not gelling well. But sometimes when I notice that, I don't, I kind of chalk it up to being old humor because humor can change so fast. For example, like you watch an episode of The Office yeah. now and I'm like, that's, that's hilarious. I still laugh really hard, but I don't think you could pull that stuff now, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of chalked up the like disjunct, like you're saying that the critics said, I just chalked that up to like, well, that's just awkward old humor. I definitely noticed it, but I just figured they had to do that because it, kids would watch this movie <laughs> yeah did it feel out of place not for a disney movie but like in any other movie maybe was sort of my reaction to it but yeah i mean those animals were certainly kind of the comic relief amongst a very serious story right one of the fun facts that i was going to read mike that you didn't ask me to oh, yeah. say david do you have any fun facts about this movie <laughs> was that british royalty actually had small little toy dogs and pugs that they'd take with them in the early 17th century so percy the pug was historically accurate no kidding by the way mm. and i actually enjoyed the humor between what was the raccoon miko uh, miko flit flick, hummingbird flick, and flit? and percy um i thought it was pretty funny and i don't know like maybe it's just because some of the older disney movies that we watched have had dumber humor than this but <laughs> i thought true. that their antics were they made me laugh a couple times which doesn't always happen you know and they needed stuffed animals to sell so <laughs> that is true i also feel like if they wanted to mesh the humor better they should have given pocahontas maybe a couple comedic lines yeah she was very serious she was a little she was a little sassy at the beginning when she was with her sister or whoever in the boat she tipped her over at the beginning. That's true. Pretty playful. But after that, didn't yeah. seem to be much. That just reminded me of my biggest gripe this for this movie. How the heck could they talk to each other right off the bat? Yes. <laughs> yes. In English. Right. That was making me mad. Yeah. I was like, nobody's a polyglot that good. Well, maybe she had met someone before. <laughs> but it was... But what was it? <laughs> I'm just seeing your face doing that, too. You're just like, maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> she, I just did one big eye roll when I saw them starting to understand each other. After it was like the spirit of the wind doing it and like making it this transcendental, like they just took mushrooms type, type of a thing. And I was like, I mean, maybe, maybe I would have I would have appreciated. And I don't know if Disney would do this, but I would have appreciated like a time lapse. Yeah. A little montage yeah. of them teaching like each other in English. Tarzan. Does they do when in Tarzan? Yes. When she's teaching him English in a little time lapse. There's a, probably a whole yeah. song. Which song do they sing during that? Phil Collins. Yeah. Is it Two Worlds? I don't know. Speaking of songs, let's talk about the music in this movie because it's pretty great. And there were more songs than I or I remembered. I didn't I didn't really remember the opening scene in general, and they sing a, a little little ditty during that when they're loading onto the boat. <laughs> and 
I will say that since I can remember, anytime I've been digging something, whether it's on the beach or planting flowers or oh, like literally anything digging. like anytime I'm literally digging something, oh, okay. Okay. I sing dig and dig and dig <laughs> and dig in my head. Well, or out loud. But that has been for decades. It's a good song. <laughs> Mine is the one from Snow White. We dig, 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 Yeah, that's a good, that's a good alternative. <laughs> I'll try that one next time. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dig and dig and diggity dig has been in my brain for since 1995. Oh, that's funny. Something that worked for me about the music was that the singing kind of fit naturally into like who the characters were. Mm. Unlike some other musicals like Beauty and the Beast when the all the townspeople started singing, it was like just unnatural. Like this wouldn't happen in real life. But <laughs> it's like, um, a, it's like, like a musical, Broadway musical. I know, I know. But groups of <laughs> sailors singing is like a thing that would actually happen. Sure. Native American singing, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. So I guess that's a stereotype probably, but <laughs> I don't know. It just, if the music fit very naturally into the setting of this movie, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the two big numbers are just around the river bend, which uh, ends with her literally at a fork in the river, mm-hmm. deciding, should I marry Coco Wong? Or da 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 da. Should I marry Coco Wong? Is all my dreaming at an end? I also have the sheet music for most of these songs, so I, I regularly play them on the piano. How regularly? What's regularly? Uh, Colors of the Wind, maybe like once every couple months. Not bad. I have a Disney fake book. You know what fake book is? No. It's sheet music where they just give you the melody line and the chord above it. And so you fake your way into playing it. So I have a Disney fake book that has like 400 Disney songs in it. Oh my god! Because you can fit like three songs on a page because it's, you know, it's just the melody and the, and the chords. So oh. uh, Colors of the Wind is a, is, a, is a good one. How high does the sycamore grow? That bridge. I know. It's, it's fantastic. That's really great. And I, the images that go along with it are amazing. My favorite has always been when you see the two, I don't know, eagles or raptors put their head up like birds do, you know, and then you see an image of John Smith and Pocahontas on the cliff mirroring that. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the, uh, I love the talking tree, Mother Willow. Yeah. She's great. She's like appropriate comedy relief, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Versus she is. the little critters. And she kind of has her own little song too, sort of her little. Oh, yeah. Her own little background music, which is lovely. But yeah, Alan Menken, I think these are certainly some of his best, his best pieces, even though I feel like they're not quite as like acclaimed as a whole new world. Yeah. Or as part of your world or as under the sea. Why do you think that is? I, just, I feel like Pocahontas itself, like there's no Pocahontas ride at the theme parks. Like it just doesn't have, have quite as like what would big, it be? big of a legacy. A log flume. <laughs> <laughs> you could get stuck in a hollow tree and yeah, roll down you, a hill. <laughs> you turn. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> like, like the, is that the dog that, that yeah. happened to you? Yeah. They could turn Splash Mountain into a Pocahontas ride. Totally. Aw. All you have to do is play the song. Right. Just around the river bend. Okay, well, I think we're running out of things to talk about, so we can start wrapping this up. I actually have one more thing. Okay, go for it. Okay, so this did bother me. Well, it didn't bother me. It just made me laugh really hard. And no offense, gentlemen, but it did seem like this was a male drawing this and like imagining this scene. Mm. Because (laughs) when she is standing on the rock and she's like gorgeous and the mist is going and her hair is blowing in her face and she's looking at 
John Smith and John Smith's like, do I see this? Is this real? What is this? It just reminded me of honestly, like a Victoria's Secret beach photo shoot. It was, <laughs> it was just so funny to me. I was laughing really hard because I was like, no woman would draw that. And like, maybe we would draw like ourselves as like this heroic figure, but we wouldn't draw ourselves with like <laughs> those measurements too. Like it was just, I mean, obviously she's gorgeous and it's a cartoon, so I'm not yeah. going to go too hard, but it just made me laugh so hard because I mean, I would probably switch it around and make John Smith like dashingly handsome, really tall, standing on a cliff. And Which like, he, he is dashingly handsome. Well, yes, of course. According to Mother Willow. <laughs> That's true. She's like, oh, she's got her own libido. <laughs> Well, well, here you go. This, this may, this may anger you more. Oh yeah, let's hear it. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, who I mentioned earlier, and who we've talked about quite a bit on the show, who was one of the executives at Disney, he uh, demanded the animators make Pocahontas the most idealized and finest woman ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Glenn Keane, the animator who I mentioned, he he first sought out his inspirations from some actual Native Americans, the the the, the people he met on one of those scouting trips to the reservation or to uh, to Virginia to the to Jamestown. And he's quoted as saying, so I turned around and there was this beautiful Indian woman walking up, a Native American. She said, are you Glenn Keane? And the animator that's going to Pocahontas, I said, well, yeah. And then from behind another tree, another woman came out and she said, well, my name is Shirley Little Dove and this is my sister, Debbie White Dove, and we are descended from Pocahontas. And as they stood there, I mean, I took a picture of both of them and between their faces was Pocahontas' face in my mind. I could see her. And... Uh, <laughs> And then apparently other other inspirations were taken from Filipino mo model Dinah Taylor, from Christy Turlington, from from Naomi Campbell, from oh Kate head. Kate Moss, and uh, apparently Glenn Glenn Keane also looked at a, a sixteen sixteen twenty like the year sixteen twenty depiction of Pocahontas from a history book. And he was quoted as saying, she, she was not exactly a candidate for people's most beautiful. So I made a few adjustments uh, to add an Asian feeling to her face. What? And uh, so, yeah, interesting development of the Pocahontas character. So, um, <laughs> oh my gosh! And uh, you can you can Google this like 1620s portrait of Pocahontas, and uh, she kind of looks like a like a like a man. So uh, take that as, as take that as as you will. But I appreciate you bringing that up because it, it it obviously is is truly what happened based on these quotes. Oh, I, I was like, especially that image. I was like, there is no other. Like, she's too beautiful and perfect. Belle's not that pretty. Jasmine's bug-eyed. Like, it's not... They went hard on this one. Well, she's the most idealized and finest woman ever made, <laughs> according to Jeffrey Katzenberg. So. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Yes, go. I had a Pocahontas Barbie doll. Oh, interesting. I remember I read about that the other day, that there was that. There was that. Yes. And she had a baby. Like, I had a version where she had, like, this baby and this... I don't know. Maybe it wasn't Pocahontas, Pocahontas, but like I made her Pocahontas. <laughs> well, no. So for of, of the various pr promotional tie-ins in, in the 90s, they uh, had Burger King toys uh -huh. in their kids meals. Payless Shoes sold a line of Pocahontas moccasins. Oh, my goodness. That's a little rough. That is and, uh And Mattel had a, had a, it says a Barbie-like Pocahontas doll. I probably had that one. So, yeah. Yeah. There was also... Never mind. Is there a Native American American Girl doll? Yes. There probably is. Yes. My cousins had those. I'm trying to remember which one well, that was. Uh, Josephina's. No, Mexican. she's like Mex. She's from yeah. Mexico, I think. You know, yeah. I don't. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there is more Ooh. recently. Mm, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I'm white. Oh, my whiteness is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Not Josephina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. What a jerk. Okay. I am. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of Josephina, before we wrap this up, uh -huh. David, do you remember the American Girl doll uh, computer game that our cousins had, The Shields? Duh, we made plays in it or yeah, something. Yeah. So before I, before I was able to like use the family video camera to make movies, which you know I'd always wanted to do, our cousins had this video game on like Windows ninety five called i don't remember what it's called but it was like an american girl doll you would create your own stage plays what so you could pick us you pick an era so you pick like josephina and you get all the sets and all the props and all the characters along with josephina and you could like very rudimentary rudimentary what's the word rudimentarily yeah, you, could, you could very <laughs> like basically animate these these characters on stage and then record dialogue wow either have the computer talk it so it'd be like you know my name is josephina or you could actually <laughs> record it yourself 
uh, like through a you know crappy little microphone and so we we would create these whole entire like musicals out of this american girl doll game and we made one with josephina that was one of the greatest things i've ever created but i do not know if we could, if i could ever find it anywhere i'm sure that computer has been tossed but i found the game it's called the american girls premiere second edition create and produce your own plays yeah. by tlc the learning company okay and you could like add music and props in places and kind of dress the set and like kind of walk them across the stage and they could turn and face the audience and walk out mike you should get that for your daughter i doubt it would work on a, on a mac <laughs> that's true on on os whatever it's called now <laughs> just run a windows 98 emulator yeah sure. <laughs> i'll help so. you all right well if anyone has a copy of that game that still functions let me know can i point out one thing yep your brother said duh and i haven't heard somebody say duh in a long time wow <laughs> He goes, duh. <laughs> when you were asking about the video games, so that So, Lindsay, it is the job of our guests to create a rating system specific to the movie we're talking about. So we need a we need a Pocahontas rating system and, and a number to rate the movie out of. So what do you got? Does it have to be a number? Yes, it needs, it needs to be a number or else David will die because he has his percentages all worked out. Oh, I see. I see. How could you not make it a number? I'd, that's That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> well, it could be like from Ratcliffe to John Smith on like, yeah, a, yeah. On, on, on like a, a handsome okay, no, scale. No, no. no scales. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, then um, from like one spirit of the wind to ten spirits okay. of the wind. Okay, can roll ten with that. Ten being like, this is amazing, euphoric. I'd say six. And, and any, any closing thoughts? Um, I'm just really glad that Disney doesn't write history. They just rewrite it for their movies. Yeah, yeah. So the liberties are taken, but it's like they don't have control over the history books. So... Okay. But I do love Disney. I do. You love Emperor's New Groove. I do. Oh my goodness, I do. <laughs> okay, David, out of 10, what was it? Spirit Winds? Spirits of the Wind. Spirits of the Wind? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I think um, that's what I think I'd have to give this one a 7.9 out of 10 Spirits not, of the Wind. A point nine spirit. Oof. <laughs> um, I do not know the actual Pocahontas historical story, so that probably helps me to, you know, I'm just ignorant to right. a lot of that. Nor do we so have time to was, talk about it, right? Yeah, more enjoyable, f probably for that reason, but um, on top of that, I mean, I think the animation and the music is really what stuck out to me. I really, a lot of the characters were just fun. I liked the governor as a villain. He wasn't like one of the most evil villains that we've mm -hmm. seen to this point. Because we didn't actually see him commit genocide. Maybe he wanted to, but <laughs> I don't know. I liked him as a character. And yeah, there's some some negatives for sure that we mentioned, but it was it was very good. All right. Before I give you my rating, I do have a brief uh, overview of the historical accuracy of this yes. movie. It just okay, just good. so we can wrap up with this. So Pocahontas' real name was not Pocahontas. It was Mataoka. Pocahontas was a nickname, which can be translated depending on what, what exact what the language is into little wonton, playful one, little brat or the naughty one. <laughs> Apparently in real in reality, when she met John Smith, she was like 10 or 11 years old. So they upped her age quite a bit for this movie to make it a little uh. more appropriate. But historically, there's no evidence of any romantic relationship between her and John Smith. Good. Or uh, whether she saved his life in any way. And apparently, three years after John Smith departed for England, she uh, was converted to Christianity and later married John Rolfe, who is well known for... He's like he's famous for like bringing tobacco to the New World or something like that. Does that sound right? That sounds right. I think so. Or tobacco to England. Or yeah, vice versa. Yeah. Something like that. I, I remember that from ninth grade history class. <laughs> okay, my rating of this movie. I really enjoyed it. I was kind of surprised and I understand all of the negatives. <laughs> but I think I said this settles in at like a 7.5, which is pretty good on my scale. So mm. I thought the music was great. The visuals, despite the nose, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Were, I mean, the backgrounds and the details in this movie are incredible. And as I mentioned, reminded me a lot of Sleeping Beauty. They may rival Sleeping Beauty when it comes to that. 
And so just, I will say the one thing that just irks me on all these 90s Disney movies is as soon as those, like this dramatic orchestral choir outro as she's standing on the cliff watching the boat go away, and then it cuts to like Synthesizer and Vanessa Williams. It's such a (laughs) terrible juxtaposition. I hate it so much. And all of these movies do it. I'll play that right now as, as, as we end the show. So, uh, Lindsay Pals, thank you so much for joining us on Disney One by One. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. How did they say goodbye in the movie? It was uh, Anna. 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 And, and hello was Wingapo. So I yeah. missed that. I missed that at the top of the show. But. And David, thank you so much for joining me again. Sometimes the right path is not the easiest one, said Grandmother Willow. Uh, we come to the fork in the river. And, uh, and we leave you. So thank you very much for listening to our show today. Remember, please find us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and we'll read it here on the show. And of course, you can follow us everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. We post a lot on Instagram and it kind of goes on to Facebook and Twitter uh, as default. So find us on those platforms. Send us an email, which you'll hear at this end recording. And we will see you next week with The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So we'll see you then. Anna, Anna. Rip Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. With that, let, let's uh, let's wrap this up. So, Lindsay, the job of our guest is to create the unique rating system for the movie we're talking about. So, we need to rate Pocahontas out of something. Oh. Uh, use your use your creative improv mind and give us a rating system oh. for Pocahontas. SNL teams, which decade? Wait, what? what? Yeah, here's my rating system. <laughs> what well, it doing? needs to be related to Pocahontas. <laughs> oh, oh, it has to be related to Pocahontas. Oh, well, in that's that a good case, one, though. That I was like, good. like no. one long, hard analogy. <laughs> okay, I'll set this up again. No, yeah, no, make it Pocahontas related. So, out of like 10 raccoons, like that's terrible, but something like that. So. Oh, I see, I see.